We were talking about him on Monday. He didn't get back to us until Tuesday. But we were talking about him. So it's good to have Jay Feely back on the show here on because the Because I had a question for, I had a question for a kicker. And and he was nowhere to be found when he's usually usually when I don't I could care less if he's around, he's always texting us. <laughs> stuff that I like, you know. But when I when I seriously have a question, he's nowhere to be found. Never a former kicker around when you need one, right? And I just want to see I I want I just want to feel wanted. That's the deal. I'm going to start turning to Ali Haji Sheik. He's got to be somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's back in Michigan, Gambo. Is he back in Michigan? I need a yeah. reliable kicker that can help me out here. Jay Feely who called the Jags game uh, against the Broncos for CBS, uh, which, by the way, we haven't had a chance to congratulate you on the air. Uh, full-time color analyst, CBS, that's fantastic. Congratulations, Jeb. And I know you've, you've done a lot of that the last few years, but you are, like, fully entrenched now in that rotation. So congratulations, man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. It's fun. It's fun to be able to do the games every week and do the production meetings and, you know, get to meet everybody and see – I think that's the thing I enjoy the most is doing those meetings. And I think real quick, you have an idea of who has answers and who doesn't. You get a really good understanding of staff and you see some of these assistants. You're like, he'll be a good head coach. He won't be a good head coach. (laughs) It's just kind of, it's just kind of fascinating to me. (laughs) Funny stuff. You want to start with your question about Prater before we talk about the Jags? I really do. Um, Because he he hit a field goal that would have been good from 70. Did you see it? (laughs) I did. Yeah, it I broke my record. I'm like, thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it would have been it, it would have been good from 70. I mean, it had to. It was it's just an unbelievable kick. Now, usually, kickers as they get older, they they maintain their accuracy, but they lose a little bit on the distance. We've talked about this before. I mean, it's it's harder to hit those longer ones. They're good from you know 45 yards and in, but anything 50, you know, it becomes hard, and that's why. You know, sometimes you have to have two because the, your, the, the older kicker can't get the ball in the end zone on a kickoff. Sometimes it comes, in, it comes up short to the seven-yard line. So why is it that Matt Prater, at his age, continues to have the same leg strength that he had when he was younger? I am incredibly impressed with Matt and what he's become in his career and who he's become as a man and just everything that he – Matt Prater goes way back with my family. So he was in college with my brother. They're both freshmen at UCF together. He beats my brother out. My brother ends up transferring to JU. And then coming out of college, Matt comes down to Miami uh, when I had just signed with the Dolphins, and he comes in as a camp guy. And he's there for a few months, and then he gets released and and then kind of goes about his journey of trying to get into the NFL like I did a few years before that and goes to Atlanta and doesn't kick great and gets cut and then gets an opportunity and goes up to Denver and kind of becomes Matt Prater. And, but then he, he grew, he grew as a player, he grew as a person. Um, and, and one of the things I'm most impressed with is just how good he's become with his technique. You know, he's such a different kicker now than when he was back, you know, in 2007 when he's with me with the Dolphins. That's, that's a credit to him. It's a credit to the work that he's put in and how good he's become. And that kind of is a roundabout way of answering how I think he's so good now from distance because his, his form is ingrained so that he does the same thing every single time and he hits the ball the same way each time, which allows you to actually kick the ball further. So even though you're getting older, you're still you're hitting the ball more consistently and better, and so that makes it easier to kick those long field goals. I mean, he's, he's 37 right now. You know, at some point you get to the point where – 
you don't have a driver anymore. You're sitting on the you're sitting on the tee box and you're hitting a ball and you think it's really good and it's really going a three iron distance. And that's kind of what happened with me. Is all of a sudden you realize, oh, I don't have a driver anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I hit that one really good and it went to like the goal line, you know, on the kickoff. Um, and, but he has he certainly hasn't gotten there yet. And it's such a big addition for this team to be able to have a guy that you can count on regardless. You know, and I talked to you guys about that a few years ago. It, it, you know, when you're an offensive coordinator and you have a 53-yard field goal and it's third and 10, you know, you'd like to be able to go for the first down and continue that drive and, 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 get, a, and get a score for a touchdown. But a lot of times, if you don't have a great kicker, you're thinking, well, let me pick up five or six of these yards because I know the defense will give it to us, and that will give him a better opportunity to make that. Yeah. Well, if a guy like Matt Prater or Justin Tucker, these great kickers, you don't have to do that, and that's a huge advantage for your offense. Jay Feely from CBS Sports, our guest during the Burns and Gambo Show. All right, so you called the Jacksonville-Denver game this past weekend, and from afar, the Jags looked like just an absolute mess. They've lost 17 straight games. You called it. You saw it. From your perspective, what's going on with Trevor Lawrence and kind of what's going on with that Jags team as they get ready to take on the Cardinals this weekend? Well, I, I said on air – I thought that the Jacksonville defense last year was by far the least talented defense in the NFL. Like, it wasn't even close. Uh, they brought a few guys in. They got five new starters this year on defense, guys like Shaquille Griffin, Rashawn Jenkins, bringing those guys in to try and supplement uh, what they didn't have there last year. You know, But everything revolves around Trevor Lawrence, and it, it's, it, it has to be a long-term plan for him. This year is about learning for him. You know, It's about making the difficult throws when they're there, but learning when to take chances and when not and, and how you have to be on time. I think that's one of the biggest things I saw was that he would be late with the throw. Like he was going up against a tough defense, that Vic Fangio defense um, that now is kind of in vogue. You're seeing Brandon Staley with the Chargers running the same thing. Chicago's running the same thing. They, they do everything post-snap. You know, so it's all cover two look with two safeties until the snap, and then as soon as the snap happens, all kinds of changes. And so if you're doing play action or anything – you get back there, you turn your head, you turn around, and it's a completely different picture. And he would pick it up, but then the interception that you, you saw at a Kareem Jackson, he's late on that, oh, there it is, he's open, now I throw it, which in college you can get away with and he's got such a strong arm, well, it ends up being an interception in the NFL. I think that's probably what he's learning now is that I have to be on time. i got to go through my progressions quicker, and I have to be on time. And, you know, offensively, I don't think they've helped him a lot. I really don't. I don't, I don't like their plan so far. I think there should be – leaning a whole lot more on James Robinson and running that ball uh, and then taking a lot of that pressure off of Trevor Lawrence. They, they certainly did it in the first game, and um, they tried to do it in the first half of the second game. But um, there's a couple of plays. Patrick, Pat Sertain made a great, great interception. Yes. Not a bad throw. So you know, it was just a, a textbook play for a rookie cornerback. You know, you're running with the receiver, you turn your head, you find the ball, and then, and then an amazing catch. So sometimes those guys make plays, but – uh, Trevor Lawrence is the least of my concerns when it comes to Jacksonville. All right, let's talk about a trap game. The Cardinals have the Rams after this. Jacksonville's 0-2. They're terrible, but you are traveling back east. It is the earlier game. The Cardinals are 2-0. and The Jags are 0-2, and they don't look very good. Is this a typical trap game? Should Cardinal fans be worried at all that the Jaguars can end a 17-game losing streak against them? I, I think every game in the NFL you can be beat. Every game in the NFL, I heard Urban Meyer say, like, you're playing against Alabama, guys from Alabama, every single week. You know, that's what it's like in the NFL, and it's true. Uh, I, I think here, here's the interesting thing, and this is the matchup that would, uh, would excite me and that I'd focus on. 
if I was the Cardinals fan, is the fact that Jacksonville runs almost an all-man defense. Joe Collins, first-time NFL defense coordinator, first-time call and plays. It's almost all-man coverage. You know, and you have the speed. Like, the two guys I think will have huge games, which isn't a surprise to the Cardinals fan, is Rondell Moore and, and Kyler. I think Kyler runs for a lot of yards. I, you know, if he runs for over 100 yards in this game, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Wow. Because if you're going to play man-to-man coverage, you don't have eyes on the quarterback, and he's going to have a lot of room to be able to get out and run, and run for a lot of yardage. Um, and I don't, I don't know that they're going to switch it up and go to zone. You know, I really don't. And that's kind of who they are. That's what they do. They went out and got corners to try and be sticky and cover man-to-man. Um, so, you know, you're going to have a lot of man-beaters, and you're going to have a lot of crossing routes, and those guys that can run away from those defenders, you know, they could have big games. Jay Feely, our guest here. On the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Based off of, I know it's so early, Trevor Lawrence, and you talked about him a second ago, came into this league with the expectations that he could be as sure of a prospect as Andrew Luck was all those years ago. I, 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 I know you mentioned about needing to help him out more with the way they're calling games and running the football. Are you starting to see that at all with Trevor Lawrence, or has it just been too inconsistent and they're playing from way too far behind for him to be able to show what he's really about? Well, he makes a couple of throws in each of the games. The first game, he threw a touchdown in the third quarter that you're like, wow. I mean, that is a stud of a throw. He just rips it, and that's after throwing a couple picks. And, you know, I don't think he's he's scared, which is good. Um you know, but if you go back, you look at Peyton Manning in 1998, his rookie year, he was 3-13, three, three and 13, you know, 57%. And he had more touchdowns, 28 or more interceptions, interceptions 20 yeah. interceptions to 26 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he struggled. Then they go 13-3 the next year. You know, and I'm doing Zach Wilson this week. Zach struggled a whole lot more than Trevor struggling for the Jets. And, and Zach looked amazing in preseason. You know, everybody was so excited. But when, when these defensive coordinators start scheming up against you and they start trying to do things and they start trying to con- – confuse you post-snap you know Kyler went through that a little bit his his rookie year as well you know after starting quick and seemingly it's okay and then these defense coordinators start scheming things up on you and um you know I think both those guys are going to be fine they got a lot of a lot of talent and uh it's going to be tough I mean for a guy like Trevor this is the biggest thing for me with him he has never lost last last week week one was his first loss in a regular season game at any level high school or college, yeah. now the NFL. I mean, that's just unbelievable. You know, so for a guy who hasn't lost, he ha- he's going to have to have a lot of fortitude, you yeah. know, to be able to continue to, to keep grinding and to not get down and not get frustrated and to figure this game out. And, and the great ones are able to do that. Jay, good to hear your voice again. You text us whenever you want. All kidding aside, we're always happy to hear from you <laughs> in the middle of the show. Uh, safe travels this uh, weekend. You guys, are, you guys are the best show in, in all of Arizona. So. <laughs> Look at that! There you go. Look at that! Right. Well, you just you're just you're just right. trying to get an invitation back to the show, and it worked. We're going to have you back on because you said that. Thanks, Jay. We appreciate it. it. Take care. You got it, Jay Feely, joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line, Coulter Infinity. Flattery will get you everywhere. Yeah, indeed. Luxury cars, legendary service. Visit CoulterInfinity.com. It is true. There's not a whole lot of history between the Cardinals and the Jags. There's one guy on the Arizona roster who has plenty of history against Jacksonville. Is he going to eat on Sunday? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, Burns and Gambo, Oxygen Community Studios, Jay Feely's preferred radio show here yes, in the Valley. I don't sure what that means, but... I know, it's put it on a billboard, I think. 
Yeah, let's not and say we did. <laughs> we love Jay. Yes. We've got a good yeah. relationship with Jay. We go way, way back with Jay. And he will. He will text us randomly in the middle of a segment. And it's not just one text. It's always like a series of seven or eight. Where yes. it's just... Bzz, bzz. It's like, oh God, it's Jay, right? You just know it's Jay because you're going to get like eight texts in we, one. We do get time. a lot of uh, messages from former football players during the show. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. We do. Uh, there's not a lot of history between Arizona and Jacksonville. Very little at all, as a matter of fact. Uh, I'm looking at your email from yesterday because you looked it up. They've only met five times ever. Uh, the first time being in 2000. The Cardinals lead the series 3-2. to two. They're 2-1 and one in Jacksonville. They're obviously different conferences, different time zones, different everything. There's just not a lot of commonality here when you start talking about Jacksonville and Arizona. But what there is is a lot of commonality for J.J. Watt taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and very similar to Game 1 against the Titans, this is where J.J. Watt's history is being a part of the AFC South he has got an incredible resume against Jacksonville, as you would expect. And it's got us wondering if this becomes his breakout game this week. If he needs a breakout game. Yeah, come on, he does. I mean, they signed him on a two-year deal. They're paying him a lot of money. He doesn't have a sack yet, okay? Uh, he's He's been okay. He's been okay. He hasn't been bad, but he's he. There, there's more out there. Um, and you're right. I mean, he had a decade of dominance, you know, in that AFC South. And I was even reading. Reading a story earlier today when, when he was a free agent, uh, Jaguar Nation, J.J. Watt makes perfect sense for the Jaguars. Mm. Do they make sense for him? You know, listen, he was a guy that when he became available, when when he decided, when they decided they were going to let him go somewhere else, where was he going to take this Pro Football Hall of Fame career to? And he ended up taking it to Arizona, surprised a lot of people, but he's here now, and he's he's still going to affect this team because of his leadership ability. But you want to see that game. You want to see that game where, and this might be the game against the Jaguars, where he breaks out and shows us that he's still capable of being a dominant pass rusher. Here are the numbers I'm talking about. This came from John Reed. He's the beat writer who covers the Jags for the the paper there in Jacksonville. Cardinals J.J. Watt, 17 career sacks in 16 career games against the Jags. He has at least one sack in 10 of those 16 games and three sacks in three of them. So three times he's played against Jacksonville, he's come up with three sacks in each of those games. The only team Watt has more sacks against is Tennessee. Now, obviously, all those games were when Watt was younger, more in the prime of his career, et cetera, et cetera. Trevor Lawrence, the rookie quarterback for the Jags, was asked today about Arizona's pass rush. Nothing really changes in our preparation. Obviously, you have a different plan for a different defense, but... Some of the same things that Denver did well, these guys do well. They do a good job disguising, mixing it up. Arizona mixes it up even more than Denver, um, but then they got a really good pass rush. Same thing as the Broncos. So um, those guys are obviously a threat. J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, and there's other guys up front too <clears throat> that do a good job. So being aware of that as a quarterback, you know, time clock goes down a little bit, but you can't let it change too much if you're worried about like I got to do my job, and I trust my guys up front, my tackles, and all the guys on the inside to to do their job too. And they've done a great job of it. So I just got to worry about being my best and, and playing well. And that's what we need. You know, JJ's milestone 100th sack came last year in a win against the Jaguars. It was Jake Lutton, the rookie quarterback. He it was the fourth quarter, and he forced a fumble. And you know, only 35 players have recorded 100 sacks in their career. 
and only a few of those guys reach the mark faster than J.J. Watt. That's Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, and DeMarcus Ware and Bruce Smith. That's it. Um, so he did get his 100th sack against the Jaguars. So that's a good milestone that's there. And, yeah, they're going to have to prepare for him. And, I'm, you know, I, I don't think he wants to go too long without getting his first Cardinal sack. I, I don't think that he wants this thing like one game, okay, none. Second game, okay, none. I don't think he wants this thing to drag on and, and then people start questioning his ability to still you know, rush the quarterback at that level. Yeah, his numbers have, through two games, I mean, just calling it like it is, have been kind of underwhelming, to be honest with you. As you mentioned, no sacks. He's got four total tackles in the two games. He's got one tackle for loss. He's got one quarterback hit. Um, He has played 72% of the snaps in one game, 90% of the snaps in the other. It's it's been kind of underwhelming, and yet Trevor Lawrence was still asked the question today, if he gets awestruck playing against guys like J.J. Watt, I don't know if awestruck is the is the word. Um, it's definitely it's definitely cool, you know, seeing all these guys that I've watched on TV that have been playing for ten, twelve, whatever, however many years, and being out there on the same field with them. And the thing I have to keep reminding myself is like it's still just a game, and same game I've been playing since I was a kid, and uh, game I happen to be good at. And I just got to keep reminding myself, like I, you know, I belong here. I know I'm young, but still, like I can play. I can play with all these guys, and I think just building that confidence. For me, throughout the whole team, and that's I feel ourselves headed towards that. You know, you saw the way we started the game, and obviously you have to finish, but we feel good, um, and it's disappointing, but we're we're getting there. 2000 and, 2011, um, right before J.J. Watt got selected 11th overall by the Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars were on the clock, and there was a lot of thought that the Jaguars were going to take J.J. Watt. There was a lot of thought that they were gonna they were going to take J.J. Watt out of Wisconsin. And they ended up going with Blaine Gabbert. The Jaguars did. So I don't know if that I'd love to ask JJ Man. It's just something about playing that team because they you they were sitting there at number ten and there was talk that they were going to take you and they passed on you and they went with Blaine Gabbert and um you know that was the same year the Cardinals took Patrick Peterson by the way same year the Cardinals took Pat Pete Falcons took Julio Jones Cam Newton went to Carolina. That's the year that the Jaguars passed on J.J. Watt. And then the very next pick, the Texans, the Texans just grabbed J.J. Watt, and, he's had a, and he had a great career. You can text us your thoughts on this matchup. The FanDuel text line open and available to you at 620-620 right now. When we come back, ASU coming off an embarrassing performance against BYU. And even though this week looks like a gimme, is Colorado a little more dangerous than they look? We'll tell you that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Colorado football, a team that had 63 total yards in their loss this past weekend, had our guy John Wilner, Pac-12 insider from the San Jose Mercury News, saying this on the Bickley and Murata show about ASU's chances this weekend. Beat Colorado if they could just get a safety, but <laughs> longer term. <laughs> longer term. You, you do have to wonder, you know, are they going to be able to? Uh, they, I still think they have the talent to win the South, but you got to match that with execution. And there's, you know, there's three very good teams in that division, uh, I think. And whether they can execute enough week to week, not just have it be, you know, here and there is what we're going to have to watch for. Yeah, this should be the get-right game for ASU, and it's easy to look oh, at Colorado man. and say it's the get-right game, but it's 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 hard to know what to expect out of ASU 
in any game. You got listen. Season. You got to start working your way from the bottom. They've been the most penalized team in the country this season. Twelve per game, an average of one hundred and six point three yards. Like this has to stop. Like it has to stop, and it's got to stop now. You got to start working your way up those rankings and not be the most penalized team in the entire country. Now, you know, ASU leads the all-time series 8-3. The Buffaloes have won three of the last four meetings, including the last time they played in 2019 in Tempe. All of that doesn't matter. What matters is this is a bad Colorado team that has an awful offense and a lot of problems. I mean, over their last eight quarters, they've run 108 plays for 323 yards. That's 2.99 yards per snap. They've scored seven points. Let me say that again. Over the last eight quarters, they're averaging 2.99 yards per snap, and they've scored seven points. Their freshman quarterback, he might be the guy down the road, but he does not look like he's ready to play right now. So this is, you know, you totally expect that the that Arizona State is going to shred this team. Now, I feel more comfortable saying this than you did, you know, BYU. I thought they were going to spank BYU, but BYU's actually good. No, but BYU's good. I just thought ASU was going to be better, and I totally, I totally muffed that one. But you're talking about a team that finished with 63 yards of total offense. It's the eighth worst in program history. Their rushing total was the third worst ever by a Colorado team. They're just they're just no good. Yeah, they're no good. Like you can't like I, I said this after the game. Like if Herm loses, if they lose this one, you gotta stop questioning Herm. Yeah, it's you know, you you brought up that hypothetical on Monday, and it's one of those hypotheticals that's hard for me to even imagine what if, because it just seems so unlikely. It, it just it, it, and I get it, it's anything can happen. And ASU football is kind of a mess right now, too, after what happened up in Provo. It just feels like one of those hypotheticals that it's hard for me to even fathom that what if because it seems as close to impossible as you can get in this industry. And I realize nothing's impossible in this industry, and it's sport, and anything can happen. Man, it's just I I, I can't really contemplate that what if because I feel like ASU, that Colorado is the perfect tonic for what they need right now that's a bad football if, if team. we did a poll question which team is more likely to pull an upset this weekend the colorado buffaloes or the jacksonville jaguars great question for tomorrow sit on that mitch sit on it potsy Sit. that's a he probably oh, i am not gonna know, stand up you mitch. know bickley and Murata gonna steal that uh, no way, they're both asleep right the, now. They're napping. Oh, that's they're true. Not, they're, they're not listening they're to the show. They're all napping. They're not. Right. They're that's not true. listening to the show yeah. right now. They're uh, not going to. We'll steal keep it that secret. Question. No yeah, free sheets sh- for the wind or whatever that phrase is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not drunk. They're just sleeping. They're uh, taking a nap. Oh, that's a so, drunk. Uh, side. Vince might be. Vince, well, you know that's true, Vince. Yeah, he, he might actually be three sheets to the wind. We're just teeny events. I didn't know that was a drinking reference. I just thought it was a sleeping reference. No, three sheets to the wind is is very much okay. a, a drinking <laughs> reference. Not Sorry a for calling reference. you guys alcoholics. I didn't know what I was Jared, saying. I Sarah, thought you were just sleeping. Dan, Vinny, drunks. you're all drunks. You're, you're all drunks. You're all drunk right now. You're all been drinking all day long. You're three there sheets you to the wind. It's three o'clock Who in the afternoon. Who is more likely to pull an upset, Colorado or Jacksonville? Question. I'll let you. We'll do the poll question tomorrow, but I'll let you answer that now. Jacksonville. Okay. They're home. They're home. At the end of the day, I'll, I don't think either one's going to happen, but which one's more likely? Which one's more likely? Jacksonville. They're at home. I think that'll make all the difference in the world. Okay. I think. How would you answer it? I don't know. <laughs> you, can't, you, you have this habit, really annoying, by the way, uh, habit of asking these questions, putting me on the spot, making me answer them, and when then I make you answer them, well, I don't know. I mean, I'll give you I'm just one. the one here answering the, asking the questions. I don't answer them. Come on. Give me one. I'll say Colorado. Colorado's more likely to win. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think I don't think either one of them will. But I mean, I don't either. But I mean, if ASU wants things. to keep this, you know, keep this pace up of averaging thirteen penalties a game, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I it, hope it, that it keeps itself. other teams in games. Speaking of that undisciplined um, situation with ASU right now and the penalties, Doug Haller, the the very very dialed in, very good beat writer who covers ASU for the Athletic website. We're big fans of Doug's work over here. He does a great job. Uh, he wrote a story on the Athletic website, kind of updating the situation with ASU's investigation right yes. now and boy one of the lines that really stood out and he, it's he kind of does a Q&A with himself but one of the questions he asks himself does the investigation have anything to do with ASU's undisciplined start I'll be I'll be the first to admit I did not think ASU would be in fact the players would be affected by the investigation and not to pat I, myself on the back I did I don't I'm not a little sh- bit and I don't know the answer to this but I mean it's a fair question It's a fair question. Doug writes, to say that it doesn't have anything to do with ASU's undisciplined start would be naive. The investigation has put pressure on the Sun Devils to produce this season. Um, Trying to accelerate this process can't be accelerated, leads to mistakes. Here's the line. The stress from the investigation always was going to show up on the field in some form. The question is, can it be fixed? And then he goes on. And this was something else that I, I was not aware of, in which he talks about, you know, what's kind of like the next step with the investigation. They've interviewed the players. The next step will be to interview ASU's staff. He reports those interviews could start as soon as next month. He writes, if this happens, the Sun Devils would be in the meat of the Pac-12 schedule, so the timing would not be ideal. This could cause issues within the football office. One coach wondering what another might say. As part of the investigation process, many staffers already have turned in their work and personal cell phones. That's bound to impact the amount of discipline and devotion to their jobs that coaches are showing on a weekly basis. Right smack in the middle of the season, they're being brought in to discuss this. Yeah. And they've already turned over their personal cell phones, their business cell phones. If if you're free and clear and you've got nothing to hide, it's not going to affect you. But if you do... It could affect you. If you've got nothing to hide, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm good. To whatever. I'll answer all your questions. We done? Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Let me let me pose a hypothetical then based off of that. You're a coach who's done nothing wrong. I ask you as an investigator, did Coach A, B, or C do something wrong? I don't know. Ask them. <laughs> do you, I've got receipts here yeah. that show me. Do, do you have any knowledge of this? Did no. Coach A, B, C? No idea. What if you do? What if you do have knowledge? Are you lying to protect that person? Sure. So, so that's that's how you play it. I I would I wouldn't rat anybody out. Okay, because yeah, I know I, I grew up in a different era. Uh, I know? know, I know. You don't I, rat anybody but, out. But you understand the dilemma if you're a did coach. I do anything wrong? No. Am I going to tell everyone? Oh yeah, but that guy did. No, I'm not going to say. Okay, anything. but if there's a you, coach, if you want to get you, him, you find out on your own. You, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. You might have that internal dilemma if they ask me that question. What do I do? You know, because that that and that becomes again even for the innocent that becomes a distraction. Of, oh, my God, what if they ask me about this? What if they ask me about that? And again, I want to say this. These are all allegations. Nothing's been proven. We're just talking about this in, in this, this alleged frame of mind here. But that can be a dilemma for the innocent. Do I rat out the guilty? Do I tell them what I know? What if they ask? Do, do, I, do I lie? Do I protect my colleagues? Do I not? And then it becomes a distraction. And because now you're thinking about that. And that meeting and the fact they have my cell phone and the fact they have receipts and the fact they have screenshots. And I'm not thinking about Colorado. 
and I'm not thinking about UCLA, and I'm not thinking about this season. I'm worried about this. It's 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 a. It might end up being a. Now listen, let's see. Win this game against Colorado. Let's try to go on a roll here. Win the Pac-12 South. It's still within their grasp. The 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 negative is. They haven't shown the way they've played in three games that they're capable of running the tables in the Pac-12 South. And I don't think a win over... I think Colorado is almost like playing Southern Utah and UNLV. Like, I, I almost think that, like, this BYU was a good gauge. Colorado's not a good gauge. We're not going to know anything after this game on Saturday. We can know a negative, but we're not, we're not going to know a positive. Texas, your thoughts on all of this. The FanDuel text line available to you all the time. 620-620, you can text us on the FanDuel text line. Including the Cardinals, there are only seven 2-0 teams left in the NFL. We're going to play a little game when we come back. Who stays undefeated the longest? Oh, I like this game. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Seven teams. Seven teams. Oh, let's play the game. That have the distinction of being undefeated so far in the National Football League. Going to be left standing last. Yes. I think the Cardinals will be standing after this week. But we know at least one of those teams is going to lose because there are two two 2-0 teams playing each other, right? It'll be the Rams and the Bucks. Okay, so I don't need to say who, but somebody's going to go down. Um, the Rams are going to win that game, so the Bucks will take their first loss. Let me read off the seven two and zero teams here, real quick. Okay, in case let's go. People aren't yeah. Let's, here, let's, here let's your play t- this game in the AFC. There are two of them. Uh, the Vegas Raiders are two and zero. The Denver Broncos are two and zero. Everybody else is one and one or zero and two. In the NFC, here are your two and zero teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are two and zero. The Carolina Panthers are two and zero. The Forty ers Rams, and Cardinals are all two and zero. Those are your seven. 2-0 teams here, and yes. Seattle's it, not 2-0, huh? Another, lunch is tomorrow, aren't you? All right, so tomorrow? Lunch is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Which, uh, Jordan's going to be gone, so Mitch, you just might want to tell me what you want from the Lunch Hawaiian on Burns you tomorrow for believing that Seattle Sorry, is Jordan, win. you're missing Hawaiian barbecue I'll tomorrow. take a dinner tonight. <laughs> you want me to get you dinner on your way out the door? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. If I'm, buying, if I'm buying lunch for the whole staff, you want to make sure you get yours? Is that how that works? Yeah, let's see what we can do I'm about stopping that. at a lobster truck for dinner tonight. Well, that actually Wife and kids good. are away for tonight. Like, baseball the, practice. like main lobster lady lobster truck. Oh, There's a lobster truck in Awatuki. Tonight, so I am stopping by the. I'm getting a lobster phenomenal. roll for dinner. Phenomenal. All right. So here, Carolina this week. Yep. They're at Houston. Carolina remains undefeated at 2 0. Who's Houston's quarterback this week? Uh, Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. The David Stanford Mills. kid. Davis. Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. There's the, some talk that he, that Taylor. Is going to be out for three or four weeks. The, the Cardinals play the Texans down the road too, and, and the Davis Mills might so be the Davis guy. Davis Mills could be the card, could be the quarterback. It's the card. Okay, so Carolina remains undefeated. All right, uh, L.A. Tampa Bay. One Rams will win. beat Tampa Bay. The Bucks go down. So that's so now we're down to six unde, uh, undefeated teams. Okay, I agree with you. By the way, I think the Rams are going to win that game. Uh, San Francisco is home against Green Bay. Damn. Oh, I think Green Bay knocks San Francisco from the ranks this weekend. I'll go. I'll, I'm gonna. It's, a t- it's tough because I don't really. I'm not really buying Green Bay. Neither am I. But but I'll take Green Bay because I just think they'll score more points than San Francisco does. So that's five undefeated teams. Left. The Broncos are home against the Jets this weekend. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's easy. J e t s. 
You suck, think suck suck? Oh, okay. I thought you were picking the Jets. No, Zach Wilson threw like seventeen interceptions. Win, in two win, games. win. So you got no, the Broncos. I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Okay, so the Broncos stay undefeated in your mind. That's how many now? That's still five. Okay, so we've got we've got the 49ers losing this week, and we've got the Bucks losing this week. Okay. Uh the Vegas Raiders are home against Miami. Raiders will win. Okay, so they stay undefeated. Well, who's Miami's quarterback this week? It's Jacoby it's Brissett. Jacoby Brissett. Yes, sir. I'll take the I'll take the Raiders, and then the Cardinals are at Jacksonville. Right, so I think only two of them lose. Okay, then let's go on to the next week. The next Ooh, okay. the, the next week would feature the undefeated Cardinals against the undefeated LA Rams. Right, so we're down to four in Los Angeles. I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to pick the Cardinals to beat the Rams until they beat the Rams. Okay. Like, uh, Sean McVay owns the Cardinals. He's got the paperwork to prove he it. He owns the Cardinals. Yes, he What's does. he, 6-0 against he's, them? He's got the title for the Arizona Cardinals at a safety deposit box in a bank he somewhere. He owns them. Yes, I will never pick the Cardinals to okay. beat the Rams until they actually beat the Rams. So, I don't believe they could do it. So the Rams hand the Cardinals their first loss in Week 4, and you okay. and I both agree on that. So the, the Cardinals are out. The Vegas Raiders are at the L.A. Chargers in Week 4. I'll take the Chargers. Okay, so Vegas is out. The Broncos are home against Baltimore in week four. I'll take Baltimore. Okay, so the Broncos are out. Carolina is at Dallas in week four. I'll take Dallas. Then the LA Rams are the team. Or whoever wins that game. That will finish. So whoever whoever wins the Cardinals-Rams game. Or whoever wins the Cardinals-Rams game. Just take it like that. There's a chance it could be the, the the lone undefeated team could come out of that game. Yeah, there's a chance. Carolina, boy, you got me down a rabbit hole this morning when I was prepping for the show. I did. Just a little bit of one. I started looking at Carolina's defense because I was looking at Hassan Reddick. Okay, two things. Number one, you're right about Hassan Reddick. So He's off to start. an amazing start so yeah. far. And number two, that Carolina defense, man, that is the not screwing around crew out there. They're getting it done. I know it's just two games. They lead the league in just about every single measurable defensive category so far. Points, yards, sacks. That that defense is killing it. Killing it. And they played the Saints. And then yeah. I can't remember who they played in week one. Who they played in week Oh, the Jets. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it was Darnold versus Zach Wilson yes, in week one. And the Jets. Suck. Okay. Yeah, and the Jets do suck. So they got the Texans this week. Then they're at the Cowboys. Okay. Then they're home against Philly. So they've home given up, against Minnesota. Yeah, they've given up twenty-one points in two games, thanks to Jameis Winston, who was absolutely brutal for the Saints in that game. By the way, he just was. brutal. So I think you give some credit to the Carolina defense for sure. So I, Hassan, I yeah, Hassan Reddick's playing well. I think, if, and I agree with just about every pick that you've made here. So I think the consensus here is that the last team standing when it comes to the zero be, and the loss could column, come down to the Rams and the it, it Cardinals. Could, it could come down. It's going to come down to Bucks Rams this week, and if the Rams win, it could very well come down to Rams Cardinals in Week Four. And I'm with you. Until they do it, I I can't pick them to do it. Until the Cardinals beat the Rams, I can't pick them to beat the Rams. Can't, can't. They've and it's not. And we'll get into this during no, Rams Week. I almost week. feel like, and you know how Cliff, you know how Cliff jokes around about Sean McVay. Uh-huh. I almost feel like Sean McVay is Lou Olson and Cliff is Bill Frieder. <laughs> I swear. Are they going to start doing bank commercials? I, no, but I mean, that's what it feels like. It's like, you know, you're like, you know, Freed's Fried, took it on the chin to bow down to loot all those years with all those crazy commercials. It was all in fun. And, but 
you know, when Cliff jokes around about Sean McVay, <laughs> look, man, that guy, like, you haven't beat him, and the Cardinals haven't beat him. Cardinals have never beat Sean McVay. Sure. In this day and age, instead of uh, Loot and Frieder doing a bank commercial, it will be Cliff and McVay doing a Bitcoin commercial. <laughs> That's right. With Cliff always being the punching bag punchline. That's the modern day equivalent of the loot Bill Frieder bank commercials is that those two doing a Bitcoin, Bitcoin commercial. Yeah, right. I mean, I've already seen Sean McVay. He's doing what? Chunky soup commercials now? Yeah, I see those. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, so all we need is Cliff to join him doing some national and, and he could just be the punchline of Sean McVay. Until you beat him. They're like, going like, you, you like, to beat him this year. This year it's going to happen. It's, I'm going to lose my mind if it doesn't happen this At year. home or on the road? At home. It happens this year. Because that for, that week four matchup is there. It's no, in it's, L.A. in four. Yeah. It's in L.A. in week four, right? Am I right? Yes. Correct. In LA. Yeah. They beat him here. You want to bet lunch on it? Do I? Okay, that's okay. What? You just made a bold statement. They're going to beat him. I you were adamant. They're going to beat him this year. You want me to bet on a game yeah. that isn't going to be played until Monday, December 13th. I don't know who's healthy. I don't know who's playing. Have we not made bets that took years to fill, Jordan? Yeah, that is true. Tom but to Brady's point, I don't think it's ever been a game. a game. It's always been more like big picture. Will Brady play past the age of 42? If, stuff like that. If you want to bet me, will the Cardinals beat the Rams at some point this season? Now that is a bet I will make. Well, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so, so that's, I, that's I'm the gonna bet? I'm going to say that the Rams will beat the Cardinals both times. Punch Babalu, guys, we got a bet here. Got there you bet. go. Got a bet. Got a bet. I'm, 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 I hope I'm wrong. But this dominance that McVay has over the Cardinals, it's 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 until the Cardinals beat them, it's going to be hard to pick uh, pick the Cardinals in that game. Join Bud Light, the official beer of the Cardinals, for a Red Sea Road rally this Sunday at Philly's Sports Grill on Warner in Tempe. Kickoff is at 10 a.m. There's going to be food specials and football prizes throughout the event. Head to the events page at ArizonaSports.com for more details. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, there are some like... <coughs> Keyshawn Johnson, who are still not sold on the Cardinals. But others are saying it's time to give Arizona some credit for what they've done in the first two weeks of the season. We'll talk about those people next on the Burns and Gambo Show.